Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining me Alex Ellswick, our Extension Specialist for Substance Use Prevention and Recovery. Thanks so much for joining us today, Alex. Glad to be here. Alex, today's topic is probably one that's important for all family members, parents, loved ones, that we're really going to talk about if um, you have a child or a member of your family that maybe you are suspecting might be using drugs, kind of what those signs may be, the steps that you might take as, as a family member to help that individual. Let's get started and just talk about really and truly what a parent or grandparent or whoever may be on the lookout for with their child or elder loved one as well. So in a, in a previous segment we did, we talked about how to support loved ones who are in addiction or in recovery, and that was really focusing more on older adults. So for this segment, we're really going to focus on a child you have in the home if you're a parent. Um, and so in our last segment, we talked about prevention and having the drug talk, the dreaded drug talk. Right. And so let's say as a parent, you've done everything right. You've had the talk. You've got this open dialogue going. Um, you've read all the parenting magazines and you've done it exactly right. Well, guess what? It's not foolproof, right? So one of the things we want to talk about first is looking for signs that your child may be using drugs. And I'm going to tell you from the outset that this is very challenging because typically this is going to be happening during adolescence. And a lot of the signs you'll be looking for if a child is using drugs are also things that are very typical of teenagers. Just just changes going on in their bodies just anyway. puberty, yeah. right? So things like changes in mood, which is almost laughable, I think, for a right. lot of parents who mm -hmm, have teenagers. Because you're like, well, oh, they're moody? <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. So you're going to want to take it with a grain of salt. But um, changes in mood, things like changes in, in weight, so weight gain or weight loss. But again, we could make the same caveat. Right. Could, could be typical of, of puberty. Um, things like declining academic performance, particularly if you have a kid who's traditionally been a good student. The one that, that I would focus on the most is a loss of interest in, in activities that used to be enjoyable. And so some of that may be developmentally appropriate for a teenager to, to, to age and have maturing interests, but a sudden change in, in things that used to bring them joy and not anymore can indicate uh, that, that they've begun using drugs. And oftentimes, uh, I learned this from my own mom, so I'm just putting my mom on a platform here. Every night when I came home from hanging out with friends, even if it was late at night, I would have to come in and give mom a hug and a kiss, and she would look me dead in the eye. And so I think she was smelling my clothes. Exactly. <laughs> I think she was uh, looking me in, you know, they say yeah. the eyes are the window of the soul. Mm -hmm. So she's looking me dead in the eye and looking to see, you know, particularly if you're talking about something like marijuana, there'll be some pretty obvious glassy eyes, things like that. So smart mom. Smart mom. That's it. Smart mom is uh, is involved, right? Smart, mm -hmm. smart mom is uh, is like a hawk, let's be honest. My mom was. <laughs> and then I just tell parents, go with your gut because you know your kid better than anyone else. You'll be the one to tell. So if you suspect um, there's nothing wrong with, with taking action. So let's even say that you've been the hawk and you've looked for signs and symptoms, but but you never saw anything. And now you've found drugs in your son's room. You find marijuana. So what do you do? Um, I think the first thing is to take a deep breath, 
because it's sure to be an emotional moment. Right. Because parents may deal with feelings of guilt or shame. Like maybe I've done something wrong that's led my kid to this point. The first thing to understand is that it's not your fault at all. This is developmentally appropriate in many cases and not not, not something that you've caused. The next thing that I would encourage parents to do is to talk to their spouse or their partner or their co-parent and get on the same page. Because as with all things in parenting, you want to present a united front when it comes to tackling any sort of issue in the home. And then don't delay. Go go to your kid and present the, the evidence, so to speak, and begin by doing it in love. I think a, a good way to open the conversation is by saying, um, we care about you. We're concerned for your well-being. You know, it's not about trying to c- catch your kid being bad. Right, right, right. It's about finding an opportunity to say, hey, we're concerned and we want to help. I think also wise for probably parents to work through, because I can't imagine kind of the range of emotions that a parent would would feel initially, but to work through those emotions prior to having a conversation with their child. Very good. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, I think one of the things that parents experience is a little bit of anger, maybe betrayal, but really anger over the fact that this is happening in my home. Right. Like I'm feeding this child, Mm -hmm. this 15-year-old who's eating me out of house and home, and and now they're doing this in my home, and it can feel personal. So important to recognize that it's not personal, but also to work through that anger. It's okay to feel that way, um, but to work through that so that you're not coming to your child with that on board. Because if you put yourself in your child's shoes, they're bound to be a little bit embarrassed and a little bit ashamed and to have a lot of these emotions about the fact that they've been caught doing something they shouldn't be doing. The more that your child feels shamed for what they've done, the more likely they are to hide it and to keep it out of the light, which is kind of the opposite of what you want to do. So a lot of the same principles we talked about in the previous segment of that drug talk apply here, which is still trying to have an open dialogue. But the stakes have changed. Right. Because right. now we have a kid who's using drugs mm-hmm. um, or who we suspect is using drugs. And so you can begin by laying out your expectations. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine to begin by saying uh, we have a rule in this home and here's the rule and here are the consequences for breaking the rule. Pretty clear that everyone should understand that that's the case. And then this is the really hard part. And I think it's the, the most critical part, which is begin being curious about your child's drug use. So I think it's really normal to want to say, you're an idiot. Why Why would you do that? You know this is wrong. You know this is bad. We've trying talked, to identify the why. Trying to identify the why. We've had this discussion. You know better. But being curious is a really important place to start because in many cases, your child may be self-medicating for some early signs of things like anxiety and depression. That they're just masking something else. They're just masking it. They're just trying to trying to cope. And as it turns out, at least in the short term, drugs and alcohol can help people cope really well. So one of the critical questions I would ask your child is about their experience using, let's let's just use marijuana as an example. What was that like for you? And be curious about whether or not it's sort of relieving a burden for them. If they feel a little better as a result of the drug use, then I would really have a concern that they're trying to alleviate some sort of stress in their life or some sort of underlying condition. Oftentimes, I tell parents the single most effective prevention approach is the early identification of mental illness. And how hard is it really to kind of, as a parent, get truthful answers with the child at, at that at that point? Because I can sure. just see a kid saying, oh, I thought it'd be fine. Sure. Uh, and them not really wanting to share 
I think that's definitely true. You're you're bound to experience your kids' defensiveness, the lies or the minimization or the rationalization, all those sorts of things. But I also think it's highly possible that your kid doesn't know why. When you ask a kid, well, why would you do that? Again, they can give you any number of answers, but in a lot of cases, the reality is because they're 15 and they're impulsive and they're influenced by peers and they lack a little bit of self-control. In many ways, that's just the reality of having a 15-year-old. Now, your kid's not going to say that to you. Exactly. Mom, my brain's not developed. I don't, right? (laughs) So you're not going to expect that answer, but that's where a direct why question may not be as effective as a curiosity Mm -hmm. sort of because my way. kid's just going to say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, which in a lot of ways may be an honest answer, yeah, right? I don't know. The purpose in the conversation is not to get, is not gathering evidence, right? It's not an interrogation. They're not on the witness stand because it's probably going to be some unreliable information anyways. Um, the point is to be curious about their experience and, and what this is like for them um, so that you can make the most informed response. This is a great time to consider calling in uh, a therapist or some sort of mental health professional, even just as a precautionary measure, as a way to have someone else outside the family in a non-threatening way, developing a relationship with with your child to begin asking these questions. Because that was going to be my next question of, you know, just asking your child to stop or please stop or telling them that they're breaking a house rule (laughs) that what's the chances of that actually working without bringing in some form of external help? Right. If your kid doesn't have a a problem with substances, then it should be as cut and dry as, here, you've made a mistake. Let's lay out the policy. You can even do what's called contingency contracting, which is a fancy way of saying, let's write up a contract that says, I will not use drugs, do this, do this, and here will be the consequences if I do. And you can sign it and they can sign it. So you have it in writing. So then if the time comes that it occurs again, you can bring out the contract and say, in no uncertain terms, we had this discussion. You've broken the rule. Here are the consequences we agreed on. But it gives you good evidence because if your child doesn't have any sort of problem, then they really won't have an issue stopping, right? Right. But if they're having trouble controlling their substance use, they're probably – that's a pretty good indication that there's a larger issue happening. And so it's – again, it's not just an opportunity to punish, but it, it, but it's information. It's critical information that says, ah, m- my child's struggling a little bit. Maybe we need to take them to a higher level of care. And that's a great time to introduce a therapist. So from a parent's standpoint that, you know, after they've had this conversation with their child and they've, they've initially found that they may be using drugs, how do you just release them back out to, to the world, <laughs> you, you, you know, in sure. terms of, you know, do you ask that they change their friend group or that they, you know, do you put in different curfews or take away liberties that they've had before? Or do you just have the open, honest conversation, discuss the curiosity, and kind of let them go back to how they were before in terms of making their own decisions? And Sure. So just so so that I'm, I'm clear and I, and I don't sound <laughs> like overly liberal in terms of parenting, uh, there's certainly a place for punishment. I mean, if you have a house rule, which I imagine the vast majority of parents do regarding drug use, and your child breaks the rule, like all things in parenting, it would be important to administer the punishment that you you said you would. And I don't, you know, what, part of what's hard about adolescence is that they're in this develop this period in, in their development where they want to move away from mom and dad. Right. And all of a sudden, mom's opinion doesn't matter so much as as their peers do. 
So it's an opportunity to begin to encourage different kinds of pro-social involvement. So things like extracurricular activities can be really critical during this period, an opportunity to kind of turn your kid on to something else. We know that involvement in sports, in dance, in Boy Scouts, things like that, um, in 4-H are, are a protective factor against uh, continued substance use. So good opportunity to do that. I don't know how much influence parents have over their child's peer group, but it does seem really important that parents are involved to the extent that they know who their kids are hanging out with and um, they have a good idea of what those kids are like. Right. And so how do you feel about the idea of, you know, and again, I'm just asking for pure parent <laughs> advice because this is the stage of life that that our oldest is in of, you know, we've kind of told him as he's, you know, developed more of a social life and, you know, going out with his friends and that type thing that, you know, if you're someplace and you don't want to be there, you don't want to call us, you know, here's the person you call. And, you know, that's that's fine. And, you know, just as long as you make it home safe, you make it home safe. And we're not we're not going to worry about it if if that's how do you feel about that type oh, of advice to a that's kid? Brilliant, because I've written down essentially that exact. Thing. Oh, OK, no kidding. Um, and two things I would say about that. One, we know that a, a protective factor against substance use that I find really interesting is having a significant relationship with a non-parental adult. So it could be a coach, it could be a youth minister, it could be a teacher. And it makes a lot of sense once you think about it because kids at that age aren't really inclined to go to their parents with their problems, but it doesn't mean they won't go to an adult with their problems. Fostering that relationship and encouraging that kind of relationship can be really useful. But then also, more specifically to your point, I think a great policy is a no-questions-asked safety policy, which is essentially if you get yourself into a bad spot – and you have the the presence of mind to call for help, whether that's calling mom and dad or calling that other significant adult, you may consider some, some consequence-free, kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Right. Because the idea is priority number one is your child's safety. Right. Get home safe. Get home safe. And if they're making a decision to get themselves out of a bad situation that prioritizes their safety, then really they're making a good decision. And so we, we want to be supportive of that and we want to encourage that. But I think that's easier said than done because if your kid's at a party and they, you know, ended up there because they lied to you or something, it's going to be tough to hold back on the no questions asked. Well, you can all – because you know me well too, right, that, that we've always said, you, you know, if you need to make that phone call and as long as you get home safe, mm -hmm. you, you know, we won't ask, oh, you know that that'll be hard. <laughs> You're going to have to coach me through that day if we come to it. <laughs> yeah, well, for the record, um, I had that policy in my house and I exercised sized at a time or two. Did yeah. it work? It did. It did. Okay. Actually, if you want to know the truth, the, ne <laughs> the next day, uh, my mom told me that I wasn't allowed to go out with some friends. And I said, but mom, remember? Remember this policy? <laughs> and she kind of like went back and talked to my dad about it. And they were like, all right, you're right. We support it. Okay. So. All right. All things to think about <laughs> as a parent. Gosh, the teen years are tough. They're and awful. this is a tough topic. But I appreciate your willingness to be here with us and just to have these these conversations. Just as parents, it's just helpful to, to think through the scenarios in your head or, as you said, talk with your spouse, significant other, co-parent about, about these issues so that you do have a plan in place just in case something does happen. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question, or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. 
Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for Family and Consumer Sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.